if you're able, would you stand as we read God's word together? Leviticus chapter 25, verses 1 through 7. The Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you enter the land that I am giving you, the land shall observe a Sabbath for the Lord. Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in their, fe- in their yield. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of complete rest for the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. You shall not reap the aftergrowth of your harvest or gather the grapes of your unpruned vine. It shall be a year of complete rest for the land. You may eat what the land yields during its Sabbath, you your male and female slaves, your hired and your bound laborers who live with you, for your livestock also, and for the wild animals in your land, all its yield shall be for food. This is the word of God. And you can be seated. So from this passage, as we continue our series on Sabbath, I'll preach from the title, Our Sustaining Source. Our sustaining source. I want you to begin by thinking about a job you've had sometime over the course of your life that you liked. A job you enjoyed. Some of you are like, ah. But just just think about it for a second. I'm actually going to ask a few of you to share. Maybe it's the job that you currently have. Maybe it's from many, many years ago. I still remember how much I enjoyed my high school job. Not always, but often. It was at a small local airport near our family's home in Southern California. This airport was so small that I was the groundskeeper, the airplane washer, the gas truck driver, and, if you can believe it, as a high school student, the person who manned the radio to let incoming flights know about traffic patterns and wind directions. I still don't know why they let me do that job, but I liked it. It was a pretty great job for a freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior. I wasn't driving the gas truck as a freshman. I had to work my way up to that. Okay, so we want to hear a couple of you. Andrew, take this side. I'll take this side. What was a job that you enjoyed, and, and why did you enjoy it? We're not asking for a sermon. This should be very brief. What was the job, and why did you enjoy it? Can we hear from a few people? In high school, I worked at Andy Frame, and I used to be able to usher the Bulls games, the White Sox games, the Bears games, Tyler Perry plays, concerts, and I just watch them for free. And I was on the uh, court with Michael Jordan and Robin and Pippen played. We can, just, we can just assume why you like that job. Yeah. Um, I used to work in hospitality, and I had a job as a transportation agent, which basically just meant I got to pick people up from the airport and bring them to the hotel and vice versa. And I just got to meet a ton of really great people, um, mainly flight crew, um, but also people coming in town for conventions. And I would give them the aux cord and let them play music if they wanted, and we would just have a good time on the ride <laughs> from the airport. Yeah. Love it, Takara. Okay, anybody on this side over here? Um, when I was in college, I worked, it was a street tree inventory job. So we would take an inventory of all the street t- trees in New Haven. We'd measure the trees. We would identify the trees. It was really interesting. And I got to, like, hug trees every day. <laughs> awesome. I think we got one more in the back. There seems to be an aviation theme here. I got to fly airplanes for Jesus. 
You'll have to ask my dad about what that means. All right, thank you. Uh, others of you, I'm sure, could share as well, but hopefully that gives a sense or maybe just kind of provokes in your own mind and memory seasons of good work, satisfying work, dignifying, uh, dignifying work. We're beginning this year, as, as some of you know, with a series of, of sermons about Sabbath, the weekly day of rest and worship that God instructed his people in the Hebrew scriptures to keep holy. And today, from this Leviticus passage, we find that Sabbath was, was more than a, uh, a weekly day, um, that, that, that it was bigger than that, that it was broader than that. It was more than a weekly day, and it was meant to benefit more than God's people. Uh, what we find in these verses is that God commanded his people to give the land a seven-year Sabbath for the Lord. The land itself was meant to benefit from Sabbath. So the enjoyable job that you were remembering just a, a minute ago, um, what, what was about it that made it good to you? We tend to associate in our society a good job with one that pays well, however you define well. And when I think about my high school airport job, it was frankly pretty nice to have some spending money as a high school student. Good work pays Fairly. Somebody say amen. Work that exploits is inherently bad work. And also, my hunch is that most of us, when remembering some of our favorite work, don't immediately think about money. We think maybe of the chance to be creative, to do something meaningful. Maybe we think about interesting and motivated coworkers who we got to work with or a deep and abiding sense of God's call to that specific assignment. There's lots of different reasons that we might remember work to be good. On the other hand, many of us have experienced taking jobs mostly because of the money. Uh, maybe it's leaving one job that actually paid pretty well to take another job that paid just a little bit more. Uh, most of us have experience of our work becoming mostly about money and the job becoming a burden to us. Why is this? Because our work was never meant to be the ultimate source of our provision. And when we look to our work as the foundation for our sustenance, any job, no matter how appealing or interesting or creative or impactful it seems, will end up being a heavy weight to us. Sabbath is fundamentally about worship and rest. So keeping Sabbath includes being thoughtful about our work, about the role that our work plays in our lives, about what we believe about our work and about where we actually look for the provision of our needs. So here's what I hope that we will see this morning. Sabbath reveals the source of our provision. Capital S source. Sabbath reveals the source of our provision. That is, by regularly keeping a Sabbath day of rest, we are saved from looking to our work for our provision. Instead, Sabbath reveals that God alone is our provider. 
that God alone is enough to successfully meet our deepest needs and desires. How? How does Sabbath function in this revealing way? Sabbath reveals the source of our provision by confirming at least three things about our work. Sabbath confirms the goodness of work. Sabbath confirms the purpose of work. And Sabbath confirms the limits of work. The goodness, the purpose, and the limits of work are all clarified and confirmed as we honor Sabbath. Let's take them one at a time. Sabbath reveals the source of our provision by confirming the goodness of work. My guess would be that most of us in this room have a conflicted relationship with our work. There's some exceptions. Some of you just only always hate your work. And two of you only always love your work. But most of us have a more conflicted relationship with our work. We spend more of our waking hours working than doing almost anything else. The average worker in this country changes jobs every four to five years. Most of us in this room will change not just jobs, but entire careers between two and seven times. And if we are average, 52% of us in this room are right now actively considering changing jobs. And 40-something percent of you, you know who you are, 40-something percentage of you are so serious about that that you're actually taking active steps right now to change jobs. We have a complicated relationship with work. And there are some good reasons for this. There are some good reasons to dislike work. A woman facing regular experiences of sexism in the workplace has good reasons to dislike work. People of color in a majority white workspace who are consistently passed over for promotion have good reasons for disliking work. We could go on with very legitimate reasons for struggling with our workplace, a a workplace that is mostly beholden to the profits of the shareholders on the backs of the workers have good reasons for disliking work. And then there are more complicated reasons why we we can struggle with work. Some of us grew up in spaces where we were told that, that our work was supposed to be that place that fulfilled our deepest passions, our deepest commitments to the world. Others of us grew up in spaces that told us that work was just going to be terrible. (laughs) It's just going to be bad. And those messages, they impact us. They impact how we experience our our work. I would say that pastoral conversations about work, uh, uh, like spiritual discernment conversations about work, are in the top three types of conversations that I have with folks in our congregation. And that's always been the case. And that's, I, I love those conversations, actually. I love those, those places where women and men are discerning, what is God leading me to? But it also reveals kind of the space that work takes up in our imaginations and in our minds, right? So uh, what I want to say is that Sabbath confirms the goodness of work. In the midst of all that complexity, all those competing messages, Sabbath confirms the goodness of work. Not all work. We can think of lots of good exceptions to that. But it confirms God's good intentions for our work. Work is God-intended. Before humanity falls into sin, we read in Genesis 2.15 that the, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work. 
to till it and to keep it, to take care of the garden. Work is part of God's good plans for us. We were created as caretakers to take care of God's creation. We'll say more about that in a moment. Sabbath grounds our work and our rest in creation itself. Sabbath reminds us that both rest and work are God's gifts to us as his image bearers created to take care of God's creation. Sabbath is not a reward for work. Instead, both work and rest rooted in creation are seen to be inherently good in and of themselves. Work is good and rest is good, grounded in God's good intentions in creation itself. So, as you begin to keep Sabbath more intentionally in 2024, notice some things. Notice how keeping Sabbath uh, opens up the ability to reflect more honestly about your work. To reflect more honestly about the nature of your current work of where it is good, where it is not good, of where it lines up with God's purposes and where it doesn't. As you keep Sabbath this year, notice the invitation that this day of worship and rest gives to you to live into a more healthy posture towards your current work. This is one of the things that will begin to open up for us as we observe a day of regular worship and rest together. The way that Sabbath reveals God as the source of our provision by confirming that work is good. In God's intention, in God's design, work is good. Number two, Sabbath reveals the source of our provision by confirming the purpose of work. The seven-year sabbatical that we read about in our passage echoes the way that God talks about the every-week Sabbath elsewhere, particularly in verses six and seven of our passage. Listen again. God says, you may eat what the land yields during its Sabbath. You, your male and female slaves, your hired and your bound laborers who live with you for your livestock also and for the wild animals in your land, all its yield shall be for food. Sabbath is meant to be good for everybody. It's a wide, comprehensive, holistic vision of the goodness of God. Sabbath was meant to be good for everyone, including the land itself. The earth itself, the ground itself, was meant to benefit from this sabbatical year. One of the real common resistances to keeping Sabbath is, and we won't quite say it like this, but this is what it is, I think. I I, I won't be able to provide for myself. If I take this day to not be productive, to not work, I won't be able to provide for myself. Now, now we might mean provide financially in that. That could fall into it for some of us. But again, I think if we push a little bit more into it, what we mean is I won't be able to provide uh, for my emotional needs on that day. I, I won't be able to, to provide for, for kind of the, the deep desires and longings in my heart that have become kind of addicted to my work to what I get done, to how I've come to value myself. But as we cease working, God promises that he will provide for us, that he will be the source of our provision. And again, not just for us, but for others, particularly those most on the margins, for the land itself, for the animals uh, who share the land with us. By defining a, a large circle of care, Sabbath 
acts to confirm the purpose, not just of Sabbath, but of work as well. Because Sabbath is meant to be good for everybody, for family, for workers, for for immigrants, refugees, migrants, for livestock, for wild animals, for land. This is God's way of saying, no, 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 it's, it's for everybody. The gift of Sabbath doesn't leave anything or anybody out. When God's people keep Sabbath, the creation benefits, all of God's creation benefits. Now, if that sounds familiar, we did a sermon series in the fall about what it means to be created in the image of God. And we said that we were created for the vocation of caretaking in God's creation, that our presence in the world is meant to bring creation to its flourishing potential, that your presence in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family is meant to make that place better. It's not to take it's not, to, it's not to steal, it's not to exploit, it's not to extract. It's to be a gift and a blessing to God's creation in very particular spaces. This is what it means to be a caretaker of God's creation. Your presence brings everything around you to its flourishing potential. Now that's true regardless of your specific job. Transcending your job description is, is, is a universal vocation to live as caretakers. So we have some of you who are students. We have folks who, who, who are in the medical field. We have people in, in kind of service industries. And regardless of that job description, running through all of that is God's universal call to take care of God's creation. That whoever you're working with and among is flourishing because of your presence. So by revealing that God is the source of creation's provision, Sabbath reminds us of the purpose of our work. In the same way that God is taking care of creation when we stop our work, so our presence is meant to be an expression of God's care as we work as well. And you and I need the reminder of the purpose of our work. We forget why we work. Like if somebody said tomorrow, you, you don't need to worry about a paycheck any longer, you prob- many of us would stop working, right? We forget the purpose of our work. We forget because we find in our work status, right? We, we find in our work the possibility of a greater and greater salary. We find in our work a kind of deep interior fulfillment. I, I'm worthy. I'm valuable. People need me. So I work. We get confused as, as, as we hear uh, lies about work, that, that, that we have to work because we live in a universe of scarcity. And there's not enough to go around. And so you've you, you got to work, and you've got to work hard, and you've got to work more hours than you're getting paid for. And you need to leave your vacation on the table because there's not enough. We tell, we're, we're told lies about comparison. That if you're not keeping up with that coworker, if you're not keeping up with that friend on Facebook who graduated the same year you did and who seems to be doing a little bit better than you're doing, you got to work harder. You got to do more. One of the worst jobs I ever had was uh, working as a groundskeeper. I like being outside. I like groundskeeping in general. I've had good groundskeeping jobs, but this job was terrible. And it was terrible because of the people I worked with. The supervisor had created this totally toxic environment where it was just complete competition. And if you didn't do exactly what the supervisor thought you were supposed to do without the supervisor having told you to do it, you were going to get publicly humiliated and berated. Have you ever been in that? It's the worst. It's terrible. 
I, I, would, I would come to work on Monday going, like, I should like this job. I get to be outside. I'm like, you know, I had this responsibility of this big, beautiful flower bed on this college campus that I was in. I should have loved it. And I didn't. Right? Because I was hearing these lies from all directions about what my work was actually about. There's all kinds of ways that we get turned around. We need the reminder of the purpose of our work, not to mention just the society that you and I inhabit. We are created to be caretakers, and yet, in many ways, we live in a society that disdains comprehensive care, that disdains tender and loving care, particularly for the vulnerable among us. There's a story out of uh, Texas on Friday about a family crossing the Rio Grande, trying to get into the United States uh, for asylum. And the, the federal agents seeing this family struggling in the, in the river to get across. And the Texas National Guard literally barring them, forcing them, to, uh, keeping them from being able to go rescue this family in the river. And the mother and two of her children die in the river trying to make it across. And we hear that, and then we move on. We, we, we breathe air in our society which disdains caring for those who we have decided are unworthy of our care. And this impacts how we think about the purpose of our work. We can tolerate so many examples of exploitation and treating people as objects. We're fine talking about human beings as resources. We, just, we, get, we, we, we get accustomed to this. And when we do, we get twisted up in our minds and our hearts about what our work is actually about, which fundamentally is to be God's representatives of loving care in this creation. Whatever your job description is, whatever you're getting paid for, that's our assignment. It's what we do. Sabbath keeps us from becoming desensitized in these ways. When you live into the 24-hour sanctuary in time to set aside your work, you start to get resensitized to some ugly stuff that you would start to just assume to be the status quo. This is just how it is. One of the things that the Sabbath will do for us. So if God can bring creation to flourishing on the day when you and I are not working, then he can also bring about flourishing in whatever job you currently have. So there's maybe 10 of you who really need to hear what I'm saying right now because you hate your job and you might hate it for really good reasons. And we are praying with you that you can get out of that and get into another job. Yet and still, If God can bring about flourishing on the Sabbath day when we set aside our work, then God can still bring about flourishing in and through you in that really difficult place. So even as you are praying that God would bring you into a more dignified, well-paying job where you can flourish, don't miss the fact that even right now as you wait, you are still a child of God still created in the image of God, still have a vocation to bring about creation's flourishing in that space. Because at the end of the day, only God determines the purpose of your work. 
I know your supervisor thinks that she does that, that he does that. I know that HR, they've got all their stuff. But at the end of the day, Christian, only God determines the purpose of your work. Which means that in the midst of dysfunction and toxicity, that God will still use you to be a presence of caretaking and the love of God in that place. Amen? So Sabbath reveals the source of our provision by, by, by confirming the purpose of our work. And then lastly, Sabbath does this, con, uh, confirms that God is our provision by confirming the limits of our work. I think the first two, we're all like, yeah, this one I think is harder for many of us. God intended our work to be good. The psalmist prays in Psalm 90, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and prosper for us the work of our hands. God thinks our work is good. We can pray that God would would prosper the work of our hands. But the goodness and the purpose of work can easily be undermined when work takes up more space than God intended. So what I want you to do is picture work as a river. And as long as that river is between its banks, that's good. But what I want to suggest is that for many of us, the river of work regularly is spilling over its banks. That we are not honoring the limits of our work. And this happens in different ways. If you got a bad job, it's, it's easy to spend a lot of time thinking about that terrible job. If you have a good job, it can be easy to get obsessed And just give more and more of your time and your energy, even if you're not getting paid for it. (laughs) Because you you love your work so much. You're finding your identity in that place. You might find work taking up too much space because just, again, the structure of your job is demanding more and more and more and more of you. Some of you are on Slack channels. Is that right? Am I saying that right? We don't have, pastors don't really have Slack channels. but, But like where your phone is beeping and dinging with messages and you're like, oh, they're still working? Should I still be working? There's lots of different ways that work pushes past its limits. That you and I succumb to this. And when, and when work pushes past its limits, it becomes bad work. It becomes bad work. And I think that God knew that we needed help limiting our work. Much of these instructions about Sabbath were given to people who were in the process of being you know, liberated out of captivity where they were valued only for how much they could do, how much they could accomplish, how much they could produce, right? So, so Sabbath was a, a kind of re-education. And so in our passage, we read twice that the Sabbath should be a complete rest for the land, a year of complete rest for the land. It's like God's going, no, 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 no. <laughs> rest, rest. <laughs> complete rest. A for real rest. And this is not a working vacation. This is rest, rest, complete rest. Almost every single time that I preach about Sabbath, someone will come up to me after the sermon and go like, okay, but am I allowed to do such and such? But what if this really important email comes in? But what if this, like, like our minds immediately jump to, but how much work can I still do and it still be Sabbath? How much work am I allowed to do and it still be rest? That's the way that we know that work is overflowing its boundaries, overflowing its limits. Why is it that we struggle with this? Why do we struggle with a complete rest? Again, I think if we dig down, 
It's because we have believed the lie that we are the source of our provision. God can take care of me spiritually. But when it comes to my bank account, that's my responsibility. I'll give God some time on Sunday, a little bit. But when it comes to my emotional health, that's, that's on me to figure out. That's my responsibility. We could go on. We believe that we are the source of our provision for money, for peace, for fulfillment, for societal value. We glorify leaders in our society who work 24-7, who are always on, who never sleep. We glorify that kind of stuff. And when we choose to trust God and take a complete rest, a space opens up where we can recognize where our work has crossed its limits. So I'm just going to speak honestly from my own experience here. I take a pastor Sabbath. I don't get Sunday like you all do. I take Tuesday as my day. And pretty much every Tuesday, I find myself needing to work. I, I will make excuses to work. Oh no, this really is an important meeting coming up. So I really should check my email just to, I need to work. I wouldn't notice that I need to work unless I set aside a day to not work. I find myself feeling guilty about not working. I find on some kind of deep dysfunctional level, like a low grade sense of guilt that I'm just not working for a full day. I find myself appealing to how hard I have been working to justify my rest. I might not say that to anybody, but on the inside, I'm like, man, you know, if I didn't take this day of rest, I'd really be a mess because I've been going hard. We need this day to show us where work has spilled over its boundaries. I've said this to some of you before. The first part of Tuesday for me is not always great. Like I'm not just chilling in the presence of God. (laughs) I often feel pretty angsty, to be honest. I start to feel a little anxious. I start to, I kind of notice like how, how addicted I've gotten to just like, okay, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? I'm reminded how much I love crossing things off my list. It's not a great feeling. What I want to say to you, if you're, if you're new to keeping Sabbath, don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of noticing that stuff coming up in your life. This is actually one of God's purposes for Sabbath, I believe, is that we, we have the space to see how work has spilled over its limits. And we need that space to go like, oh, oh. Oh, I feel it today, but it's true all the time. It's just that there's space to feel it today. So Jesus, free me from that. Save me from that. Put me back together in this. And now let me enjoy the rest of this day. Let me rest in you the rest of this day. The weekly day of complete rest from our regular labor is the life-giving confirmation of the limits of our work. And we need that confirmation. Sabbath reminds us that God will provide for us during the day of rest. God told the people in the wilderness, you collect the manna that I send uh, Sunday through Friday. But you don't collect on, on your Sabbath on Saturday. But don't worry, because I'm going to provide enough for you during the week that you will not have to go 
and provide for yourself. Sabbath reminds us that God is the source of our provision. But the lessons that Sabbath teach us about the limits of work do not end when you and I return to work on Monday morning. We have a tendency to think that that Sunday is God's day. Okay, I'll take some rest. But then we got to get back to real life. Then we got to get back to the way this world actually works. But though God does call us to good work, caretaking work, God remains the source of our provision. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, in the same way he is on Sunday when we stop our work. So so the Israelites, they gathered manna Sunday through Friday. They were working. But who provided the manna? Who was the source of their provision? God was the source of their provision on their Sabbath, and God was their source of provision when they went and gathered manna the other days of the week as well. When you return to your work on Monday, it's not like, okay, God, thank you for that little breather. Now I got this. No, it's you've been recalibrated so that when you go back to work, you're very clear that God remains the source of my provision, which then reorients your posture towards the work that you've been called to do. Again, Sabbath is not a weekly vacation. It's not a weekly tithe of your time to make God happy. Sabbath recalibrates our posture towards our work for the entire week. By reminding us of its limits, Sabbath invites us to pursue our work from a place of humble worship. We do not look to our work for our identity affirmation because we already have that. We don't look to our work for security because God has already given that to us. We don't look to our work for status and acclaim because children of the living God don't need that. So if I could be blunt... Stop looking to your work for the things God has already given you. And that's what Sabbath gives to us. There are a ton of reasons why you and I refuse God's gift of a weekly day of worship and rest. But I really do think that the main ones, and probably connected to the others, is this. That pausing our work weekly means acknowledging the limits of our work, which means acknowledging our own God-given limitations as well. The reasons that some of us struggle to set aside a Sunday Sabbath is that doing so requires a weekly confession that we are not the source of our own survival. That we are not islands of independence. That no matter how much we love ourselves and care for ourselves, we are fundamentally unable to give ourselves what we actually need to thrive. That it can only come from God. Some of us can handle setting aside a two-hour worship service in which we admit the limits of our humanity. But an entire day? 24 hours? That's too risky. A day which invites us to relax into the boundaries of being made by a good and generous God feels to many of us less like a gift and more like a leap into the unknown. I want to invite you to leap into the unknown, to find what God's people have always found, that God alone is the source of our provision. Sabbath reveals this in the way that it confirms the limits of our work. So let me ask, how is it that you are tempted to look to your work as the source of your provision? How have you turned your work into an idol? Turning something that is good and purposeful and yet limited into something which has become ultimate for you.
Every one of us are tempted in this way. And the way we know that we have succumbed is when our work becomes a taskmaster to us. When we become chained to our work because we have come to believe that it alone is what can actually meet our needs. But as you and I set aside the Lord's Day, Resurrection Sunday, as a weekly Sabbath, we enter together a sanctuary in time in which we encounter again and again our only trustworthy provider. So as we close, listen as the Lord of the Sabbath reminds you of the one holy and sustaining presence for all of creation. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And I know it's kind of hard to imagine on this January cold and snowy day. But imagine as Jesus turns to a living carpet of flowers and grass and clover and asks you, asks you. Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like one of these. And if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow will be thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? In the sanctuary of Sabbath, gathered by God with the other members of God's very improbable family, we find not simply manna for another day. We find that Jesus has given us his very self. Take, eat. This is my body. More than just water for our parched and overworked bodies, Jesus pours out himself for our salvation. Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant. And not only are you and I, frail and fragile creatures that we are, sustained by the Son of God, the Apostle Paul declares that in Jesus Christ, all things hold together. And that through Jesus, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of Jesus. So, child of God, you have been made to do good work. Work which blesses our little corner of creation here in Chicago with the love of our creator, God. Let your work be truly good by accepting God's gift of Sabbath, of worship and rest. By remembering that Jesus Christ alone is the source of life and flourishing. By pausing your work to enter into this Sabbath sanctuary in order to taste and to see the grace grace which sustains you as you rest and the grace that sustains you as you work as well. Let's pray. We just just grab a minute and honestly ask the spirit to reveal where your work has become less than God intended. Would you be willing this morning to consider God's gift of Sabbath to you may allow you to experience and to know the goodness of God's call for